namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa uddang dhammang sanghang namasami So it's coming to the uh, end of a period of um, simplified practice in the monastery where kind of limit the function functions and sit still in silence for long periods of time and uh, you know, cultivate what we call meditation in various themes and systems and non-systems and aspirations and flexions of the mind mm. and, and as we're called to <coughs> consider that or acknowledge as we need to experience for ourselves there's a you know, as you as you f- stay with what you're experiencing you you have these two domains you know a kind of is what seems to run through the mind <clears throat> thoughts, feelings emotions, moods sometimes desperate, sometimes joyful confused, whatever and then there's a quality of knowing or a space depending on how you want to refer to it you always feel yourself a little bit wary about the terms because <coughs> any, any term seems to limit <coughs> this quality of something other than the temporary movements that flush flush through it. <coughs> because sometimes it seems like space, sometimes it seems like knowing, sometimes it seems like silence, sometimes it seems like just the stable energy. Um, and this, when we begin to kind of feel this or sense this, you, you know, this is we call chitta, this is the mind. And all the moving stuff, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, the sensations, the strategies, deliberate and reflex strategies, where we're deliberately focusing on something or just dragged into something by <coughs> some concern or some passion or another. We call it sankara, formulated, patterned, programmed stuff that moves and it's exciting and it's worrying and it's happy and it's... Uh, Agitated and it it moves along and there it is, you know. And then uh, the sense of just how how um, inconclusive it all is, how incredibly moving and and uh, mm, poignant and um, useful it all is. You know, we have to function, and yet how inclusive inconclusive it all is. You never really get to a place where all that movement has finally done what it needs to do. There's nothing you need to think about. Finished. That's it. Stop. You know, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because you think you've been doing this for all these years. It should be some time you could say, "Well, let's put it all to rest for at least for a day," you know, <laughs> or an hour, and yet there's something still kind of whirring away going on. It's kind of slowly, graciously just 
little spirals of moods and thoughts, or this kind of great pumping concerns, and you think, it's strange, this stuff keeps rolling along, isn't it? You know, it's functioning, what's it, what's it functioning for? And what is, how relevant is it's functioning? Do I, why do I need to think about, you know, a song I heard 25 years ago, why do I need to uh, plan what I'm going to do in two months' time? Why do I need to have an opinion about what somebody else is doing right now? Why do I need to bother myself? <laughs> with how she is and how he is and how they could be and why I'm not <laughs> why don't you just stop all this stuff it's not doing me any good and you know how how addictive is soul some are okay some are charming, some are delightful some are quite ghastly but how kind of addictive it is for the mind to keep homing in and making more stuff when surely you know it, you take a break for a while and um, all of this all these mental programs and patterns which we've been going on for decades our whole lifetime you know um, where, where has, has it ever landed anywhere that you really feel is going to last you know, is, you know is it? you can't say it's irrelevant either you know, we learn to act and speak and do things and we have inspirations and we work things out and figure things out. It's certainly a valid function. So, <clears throat> you have the, in a way you have this kind of quality of knowing and you have this functioning and somehow there's, there's something, there's this kind of call in us, I think, when we when we meditate or whatever we attuned to you know, call for release you release from this sense of conflict or unknowing or inconclusive wandering on called samsara which is just this kind of rolling on willy nilly quality of the mind you know? <laughs> just to find a release a feeling of uh, coming out of that and you can see the sense of what release refers to is not really under knowing anything particularly you know, release is just an energetic release your energy is not bound up with making and churning and becoming and adjusting and sorting out and making something work and tidying something up and you know it's just released called like the, the a flame that has gone out like the, it's just released from that particular burning on that particular issue, that particular point. And then you can, when you consider something like that, the sense of just having that quality of a release of energy from being occupied. You know. I think once, once we get a, uh, it's coming back, glimpses in meditation, of these, you may might say, the twofold nature of our mental domain, in very simple terms, the, the functioning, programming stuff, and then the that which witnesses it or knows it. Then um, the whole paradigms of meditation start to come in, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Meditation is another sankara, it's another set of, in some ways, functions, things we do. And um, the point, I think, to, to, that we don't necessarily really understand is, is the nature of, of or the, the, um, the real relationship to, to the functioning, the sankara. It's not that functioning is irrelevant or useless, but it's, it's kind of continuing, um, it, you know, it's continuing kind of reflex programming is, is burdensome. That is, it's fine to function when we need to function. Could we just say enough for now? You know, or is it the, more the case that the stuff just keeps rolling? Not that there shouldn't be any stuff at all, but the, the, the kind of willy-nilly rolling on of it, which is what sangsara is. Sangsara is not a thought, or having a feeling, or doing something, or having happiness or sadness, or remembering something. It seems that you know enlightened beings seem to still function and think and remember and plan and figure things out and get stirred up and you know but they're not actually continually running the stuff they're not kind of mulling it over all the time it's 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 relevant to particular times and places then it can be put aside you know so it's not that we're not thinking that's a problem or moods that are emotions that are a problem or remembering or being someone who can plan things that's a problem or having a personality that's a problem yeah, but that being being bound to it is the problem. Not being able to to come out of the 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 continuing regurgitations of it. Not being able to just lay it aside. Mm. So this is quite a fine point. Uh, I think that when we meditate, very often we we go into this kind of swing where you want to stop all the thinking and shut it all off. Yeah. It's not. It's not, not a lot of wisdom in it. It tends to kind of want to shut down all the functions, just go into some kind of blissful, abiding state. You know. Um, so then, our, 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 our we get in this kind of relationship to our thoughts and feelings, at one of of um, a clumsy relationship. We just start swiping at them or pushing them down, or criticizing them, or fighting with them. And you do that, one does that for a while, and then you get, one gets tired, and the stuff kind of sw- takes over again, and you go through this kind of swinging backwards and forwards around thoughts and emotions. Mm. Or we substitute one set of thoughts and emotions for another set, that is, we, we kind of recondition ourselves into being meditation junkies. It is, you know... You know, we like particular levels of of sankara, levels of of feelings and sensations and energies that are that become available when the mind becomes calm, still functioning, still operating, still putting stuff up, still running through things. But it's a kind of nicer color, you know. It's, it's sort of soft violets rather than the heavy grey and blue stuff. It's kind of nice and sweet. So we get like that. Give me more of that, yeah. And it's really just buying into another another shelf of the same shop, you know, top shelf rather than the bottom shelf. 
And sure, you know, the top shelf is a nice shelf. <laughs> oh, the dog food, you know, up to the good stuff. But still, you know, eventually you want to go to walk out of the shop. That's the point. Uh, you know, go shopping when you need to. Uh, so, you know, really trying to, to get a more sense of, of, of how, really, how we, how we cultivate, you know, how we practice, rather than even what we're, um, you know, looking at having something or making something or developing something or getting rid of something, just changing some of these programming. So you see, if you like, all these thoughts and feelings and emotions are, if you like, they are, they are, they are things that activate us, don't they? And then we get activated and we follow that. And then when we activate and follow something, you call that a program. So you, you get an idea, you think, oh, I'll do this, and then you do it. That little bit is a program. So you get, you know, particular projects you want to do or... Um, how one sort of organizes something or how we manage to avoid things, you know, how we manage to duck. You've already got duck programs when you want to not be seen or avoid something or you've got kind of assertive programs where you really want to be noticed and me, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and these sorts of things that get us going. You know? And then you get these kind of So you begin to see beneath, you know, with beneath the thoughts and the feelings, what they carry and what they start to build up, a whole psychologies. Uh, and then meditation gets infected with these same psychologies. How do I avoid things I don't want to be with? How do I get something I want to be with? How do I become this and not have that? And really owning, trying to through the practice being being able to be honest the first is not able to be that that honest because one's so in it yeah. and why it's always useful to keep remembering you know difference between this this twofold nature of mind is the functioning which is always moving it's always engaging, it's always becoming something, it's always feeling something, good, bad, high, low, refined, coarse, it's like that. And then there's the, there's the knowing, which is, doesn't develop anything. You know, the sphere of release is still, doesn't, there's got any flavor, doesn't go anywhere, you know. So that you're in, when you're in a program, at least to know you're in a program, to know that you're in, a, and seeing how good is this, how good is this get, how good is this? Where's it going to? What are the results of that? Where am I coming from? Begin to to acknowledge what these very strong influence we have to have something, be something, be solid, be lasting get my teeth into something, get involved with something, get some territory, get some substance, get a good bit that I can take with me. You know? And um, you know, 
or avoid those nasty, gritty, sour bits, the wobbly bits. And uh, you see that this twofold pattern of either becoming, which means you want to get and have and hold, or not becoming, which means you want to skip out, duck, get away from, cut out, not have to deal with, not have to be met by this. These two currents, bhava, vibhava, becoming and non-becoming, are, you know, you might say the underlying energy currents that power everything. Uh, There's that current, that energy current that wants to have and hold and make and develop and, you know, fill some, fill, be filled by or fill a situation, get into it. There's something that wants to get out, avoid, be small, not have happen, not be touched, you know. And kind of so, really around these various psychologies and uh, um, you know behaviors occur, and you know that we all do, and they're not necessarily ugly behaviors. You know, you can be polite, and you can be modest, and you can be generous, and you can do you know. Basically, he's not necessarily evil, but they are. They are, they de- they become us. They define us, you know, and you you get formed around these strategies of how I cope, of how I manage, how I manage to feel okay with myself, how I manage to not be made uncomfortable, how I manage to not have my sense of who I am broken up or made foolish. How I'm make the sense of being what I am somehow feel makes me feel unworthwhile or useful. These are not small matters and they're not matters of morality we can live but they are matters whereby you realise this isn't release. Yeah. I can I don't mind doing this to a point just if it's going to take me to a place where I can actually release. It's rather like being you know, taking on monastic training. You don't want to be, I don't want to be a monk forever as some kind of eternal formation. You know, having my apples guppied and, you know, this kind of stuff. But instead of taking it on, because you could do something while you're, (laughs) it's going to be something. So I could do something to help me let go of the, Arrogance, the impatience, the graspingness, the recklessness, the um, the meanness, you know, and just then, fine, I'll do it. That's my, my feeling when I started in the monastery was, well, you know, if I've got to stand on my head at three o'clock in the morning, that's going to get me out of this, I'll do it. I'll sign up for it, you know, give it a go. And it's uh, it's one of a, it can be a very good program you know it's it's morally good it's interesting it can be very alive you you're in contact with a lot of well-meaning people so it's one of the better programs and uh but you know you don't want to be stuck in it or trying to squeeze some ultimate value out of it like it's 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 still a set of functions. 
but learning to relate to to our to our functioning and to our programs it does um, you know so you use you use particular roles and routines and like life programs to become more aware of one's impatience or one's fearfulness or one's you know your reflex stuff in a way one thing about the monastic life is that at least it's it's intended to be conscious your behaviors are conscious you know you've got all kinds of rules and systems to make your behavior very conscious of what you're doing so against the, what you're consciously doing is what you're uncon- unconsciously want to do and you start to see it when you actually <laughs> you know you've got something that says well you know, you eat once a day or whatever it is and you queue up patiently and you get your food and you eat whatever's offered and you put it in your bowl. And against that, you can see the kind of inclinations of, I just want to go in the kitchen, grab myself some sausages, throw them in a pan, fry them up. And <laughs> I might have to go through this whole deal around just getting something to eat. <laughs> What's the big thing? <laughs> Got to kind of wait and queue up and you know, chant, you know. It's a big performance. I was just stuffing some food in my belly. <laughs> so, which is what I used to do when I was a lay person. Is I shove it down, you know. Uh, so this isn't this isn't immoral. It's not immoral to eat like that at all. But so in a way, one's using these kind of trainings just to be aware of these these reflex programs. Is it? Yeah. Not they're bad. They're just they're they're not bad. They're just they're just the re- reflexive. They just take over. You know, you find yourself pulled into them. So using things that actually make you more conscious of the pull into programs pulls into them. So can you just can you just be with that? You know, you're not trying to imagine you don't have those instincts. Yeah, but can you just just you know, you're going to spend your life trying to stamp them out or disapprove them, or just can you just step back and be with that feeling, that pull in the in the nervous system, those witness it as that. Hmm? And very, very strong things. So these powerful things like being mendicant deals a lot with one's throws out a lot of one's kind of get, grab, get what I want being someone who just receives what's offered rather than I want one of those celibacy enormous um, thing just to kind of witness one's pull into the pull of intersexuality the kind of glows and the persuasions and the, the mirages and the so forth it brings up you know, and there you are. What are you supposed to do with that? Stamp it all out? Or just, is it possible just to be with that? Hmm? So you kind of step back. But you're not dissociating from it. There's a whole difference. And this is, you know, I think the very important piece to get with... Uh, Cultivation is not dissociate. You're not repressing something, denying it, dissociating, or even fighting with it. You're just stepping back. So, and this is what you can do on an energetic level. You're not trying to have an attitude. You know, reprogram yourself in terms of attitude, like 
sex is dirty, food is rubbish or something, you know, they just, just, you know, you're not really trying to kind of get some dogma thing going, just can you, you just want to step back energetically, just relax, soften, widen, you know. And you see, just in that movement of energy, you can feel the sankhara actually rest, kind of unfolds. Sometimes it's slow. You step back and it pulls you in, you step back and it pulls you in, you step back and it pulls you in, you step back and it pulls you in. And just keep kind of, how can you get around this without, um, you know, some kind of brutality going on or some denial going on or some spacing out in your head going on, you know, or some set of, you know, ideas running through your mind, just, just energetically stepping back from the pulls, the pushes. Mm. And these are, very, these are kind of obvious things. A lot of it is around meditation. A lot of it is, you know, developing that. It's just, the, just contact with people. You know, my, my fearfulness, my sense of not wanting to be hurt by, by other people's con- contact with other people, wanting to appear agreeable, not wanting to be disagreeable, you know, and, oh God, <laughs> wanting to be, make things work, you know, make things pleasant, or, you know, just make people go away, <laughs> don't bother right now, you know, just tired, and just kind of, just, <laughs> just make them shut up, leave me alone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Just okay, just sort of be, trying to be with that, and the, the uh, that those those movements of the mind without making someone out of it, because that's what happens with the when you get pulled in, when you kind of witness that, because we do get pulled in so many times, and or, or we try to we try the vibhava, you try to extract yourself so many times, and every time you do, you get this, this kind of you can feel somebody arising. You can sort of sense yourself as the kind of the crabby or the dismissive or the tyrannical or the the victimized or the fascinating. You know, you feel yourself becoming something. When you, whenever you want to, there's attachment to these sankharas. The really the you know, one of the signs of it is you you can sense yourself being somebody. Yeah, it's it's both. An energetic sense in which you may feel suddenly big and expansive, or you feel kind of excited, or you feel yourself crabby and tense and sour. You can just feel this identity happening over you on an energetic and emotional level. I become very different people. <coughs> you know, I get overwhelmed with things. <coughs> Too many things going on, I get kind of hard and grim. And it's, it, it shocks me sometimes. You know? Just feel how, oof, you know, who's that? I want to be with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep doing this, you know. But there it goes again, you know. And so it's something, it's the, the, so it's actually the immediacy of that. Kind of, and you're suddenly lost, you're gone. It's like you're awake and then you're asleep, you're in the dream. 
And in the dream you're a very different being than when you're awake. And you know, and then you start to wake up and you see what you are, what you feel like. Oh, oh, oh. So then you start another set of programs. You shouldn't be like this. You should be something else. Snap out of it. Or you weren't really like that. That didn't happen. <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> or, well, it's his fault. <laughs> you know, he's kind of trying to somehow, you know, self-conscious wriggling on the, the spike of awareness as you sort of come to it. You're like, oh, geez, what have I just done? Uh, and then, uh, you know, the really sense of, can you just be at that point when you're waking up Rather uncomfortable place when you're waking up to the to the attachment that you've just bought into. And just just let yourself. I call it like falling awake instead of falling asleep. Falling awake. Just let just rest. Wide and soften. Put put aside the judgments, the rights, the wrongs, the conclusions, the analysis. And let the system know its own way back. It knows its way back to a more settled, rested state. You don't yank it back. It just knows its own way back. And through that, as, as, you, as it starts to know its way back from the confused, from the entangled, to a place of dispassion, detachment, openness, through knowing the way back, you get more clear about how you got in there. We don't necessarily understand it intellectually, but you can, you, because you, it's almost like when you retrace the step energetically, it's like almost as if you follow the path, the energetic path that, that pulled you in. So you know it in reverse. And, you know, it's like you, you, you're down in the basement, so you walk up the stairs to get back to the ground floor. Yeah. Because of doing that, you begin to know those steps. Is that, you know? And so, so we kind of learn by hindsight, in a way. Through, through, so the mistakes are really, really important. Learning places, rather than places of uh, so-called failure and uh, denial but really important places of this is how we're going to wake up in a specific personal way how I am going to wake up from the various people I become Hmm. so you can't you know that you could say there's this quality of knowing which is in a way featureless, expansive great yeah. Yeah. And yet, there's a lot of me around. So how is the me bit gonna you know unfold? Is there some radical separation between the two? Whereas you so you spend part of your time in some kind of spacious, undifferentiated state, and then okay, ring the bell and you're back into being who you are and doing your stuff. Or could it be that actually the the two don't have to be so radically set apart that there's a pathway from, we might say, an unconditioned to a conditioned and back again. So that then the 
programs are actually carrying awareness with them. That one, you know, is more conscious of actions and even becoming somebody. Like, okay, now it's my position to be the Dhamma teacher, the abbot, the monk, whatever it is. And they're doing that not from some driven psychology, but just because that's what it's the situation is called for. This is what one's doing right now. So, can it? Can we come into that with awareness rather than the feeling you've got to be the best, the perfect, the most eloquent, the most wonderful, serene, whatever it is? Can you just stop that and say, well, you just bring your awareness in and let it be as good as it can be. What it is, you know. It doesn't have to be the most fantastic, it would just be as real as it is right now. And maybe that's what we all need to know. Because we can all be real. We can't all be Mozart, Einstein, whatever. But we can be real. <laughs> we can be awake to you know, what this formation can do. You know? You're not trying to be some superlative formation on a formation level, but just that a formation is something you're programming your person, something you're conscious of, and it's not carrying with it all kinds of fears and, and needs and uh, projections, and they all want this, and I can't do this, and I'm always this, and I never get that stuff going on. We're trying to prove something or avoid something or whatever, you know? And this to me is really like, there's something kind of always fine when something so beautiful, so beautiful. It's like eating well-made bread. You know, you don't have to have caviar. You just want nice bread <laughs> because it's you know honest bread with no additives. Just that's what I kind of uh, like to to uh, aspire to. As soon as I get this idea, what I really like to do is make pots. You know. I said, what would you like to do if you just had a, said, just do what you like. I said, I'd like to make pots, you know. Just sort of, I'd get my hands on it, form it myself with my own hands. It just would just be a pot. It wouldn't be a fantastic sculpture. It would just be a nice, well-made pot. You know, kind of that, that quality to it. And to live one's life as a well-made pot rather than some fantastic fresco is... <laughs> is something that uh, resonates with me. An awakening, maybe, maybe it's just like this, you know? Release, maybe it's just release from the pretensions and the mirages and the, and the fears and the comparisons. Maybe it's just like this. Wasn't that a relief? Because to me, release has to have this quality of, oh, <laughs> you know, rather than some enormous inhalation where you're kind of holding yourself up as supreme enlightened being, you know. It's that sense of, oh, you know, it's let it be what it is, let it speak for itself. Yeah. So in a way there's that sense of holding, you, know, you might say holding presence, and establishing presence where it suddenly gets lost, you know. So we learn this in meditation, it's almost the meditation, isn't it? You know, whatever meditation you do, 
the main feature of it is you're always losing it. You know, you, you're focusing on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever it is, you kind of, because uh, your mind wanders off. So most of it is just acknowledging you just lost it. And, oh God, I lost it for 45 minutes then. You know? And then first of all, you think, you try, right, tight, hold it down, yeah, that's it. Count the breath, one, two, three, no, not losing it, right, you know, and you think, I can't go, I can't go on meditating like this, it just takes you too miserable. <laughs> so you just got to relax and you just lose it for hours. <laughs> and then, but then trying to really sort of just, just be with, you know, the losing of it. And some sense in which you, even that, you, there's always presence there. And it's a matter of, of, of uh, what it takes to release these biases where you, one gets completely involved or frantically trying to, you know, find an alternative or pull out. It's just, you know, maybe the mind wakes up by itself. If we stop going freaking out about it and just bear bear presence with it and really encourage that. And you sort of you know, you can encourage it with calm, you can encourage it with kindness, you can encourage it, you know, just to stop freaking out and falling apart about the way things are. To me this is where you see you know, you can get a sense of how the cultivation is seamless with one's daily life. So as I was saying right earlier, you know, right now we've made the practice somewhat more simplified and um, stable, you know, simplified focus. We haven't really practiced anything different. In some ways, you know, we've we've been doing mindfulness of breathing and not being able to do that. We've tried practicing, you know, mindfulness of walking, not being able to do that. We've practiced mindfulness of standing, not being able to do that. Practice keeping noble silence, we haven't been able to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And all of that, you know, you're being with it when you're with it and being with it when you're losing it and a sense of just... Owning up to that, and how do we, how do we, you know, stop this kind of rupturing, uh, loss of faith, you know, uh, sense of you know, awareness is always there, and starting to acknowledge some of these the patterns where we get involved, where we buy into something, where we run away from something, right in there, you know. Then you can see some of the very specific points, very little points, which may be things like, you know, tiredness, just physical fatigue, physical pain, irritating thought, painful memory. You know, how you just, oh, I can't stand it, you know. Just, okay, be with the can't stand it, you know. Just, just, just be with that for a moment, you know. Be with the oh, I never I never get this right I, I can't I just never get this right I can't do it I just I can't concentrate I, you know I, I just can't do it okay can you just be with that kind of that that thing 
so, so that you know, rather than letting it form into some identity or another. And so this is, to my mind, is a wonderful cultivations of, of, of the mind brings up its resources of compassion. And, um, and so then it's really seamless with what we're doing uh, in all, all, all our days. You know, all the time, you know, we're, in a way, our lives are all multitasking, aren't we? You know, nobody's doing any one thing. We're always working and looking after our physical form, in relationships with other people, got our particular job, got our own psychology. So there's always kind of levels of being that one's operating through. And uh, certainly, <clears throat> even in a retreat, there's always stuff going on. You know, there's either internal stuff, there's bits and pieces happening in the monastery. You know. Mm. So this time, particularly, has been um, my own cases. Um, there's a dear friend dying, last stages of terminal cancer. So going down to visit her periodically through this last few days of her life. You know. And that's kind of an enormous gift, in a way. Yeah. So she just passed away this morning, very early. And so we went down to visit her newly departed, newly dead body this evening, this afternoon. And an enormous gift that is, really. Yeah, I think Ajantanasanti in characteristic Californian jargon says this is the no bullshit zone, Bunty. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is where <laughs> the fakes the fake stuff drops off, you know. Because it's just uh person is being bashed, you know, and totally vulnerable, and and there's nothing much you can do apart from be there, and be present, and just keep offering presence, and offering presence, and offering presence, and offering presence, and not fixing anything, and not changing anything, and not having a smart idea, and not trying to come on with something or other, but just human beings bearing presence, and you think, well, this is exactly what, this is really teaching me meditation, isn't it? You know, and uh, just uh, the the struggle, the, the what that brings up when you see a person in their in their bodies in this kind of death throes, struggling, and you feel this kind of you really want to do something, but there's nothing you can do, and then the sense of release when they pass away, and the mixtures of feeling, you know, oh, oh, how. Thank goodness they've they've made it out, you know, and then all the poignancy of realizing this person's particular grace and charm and wit and honesty and beauty is no longer going to be manifesting. You get that kind of, and just being with that, those patterns and programs. Yeah. As if, not as if they shouldn't be there, 
you know, all of it has its place. And uh, when we bear presence with that, we both, you say, honour it, but you're not lifting it up, you're just saying it's, it's as real as anything else is. It's part of what's happening, it's as real as anything else is. And you're using it as a place to be as real as you can at any particular time. Sometimes you just can't be that real. But the beauty of the, the dying is that eventually, if you're there, they take you there. You know, past your impatience and past your trying to do something, they just take you there. And uh, wonderful, wonderful gift. A lot of our time in our life, we can keep just wriggling out, wriggling out, you know, of the, the kind of no finishing line quality of, of our lives. You know, the, the, we get the feeling you, know, you get to the point where things are all tidied up. No, you don't. You get to the point when you stop doing that and uh, you let it be the way it is. And in that, you know, which seems to be like a complete cave-in, What's happened is that you, because just to let it be the way it is means you're not something in you is not putting in the energies to keep making things happen, and they start to fade out by themselves. You know, it starts to release by itself when you don't have a take on it anymore. In a way, this is the kind of you know thing we're trying to keep remembering, reconnecting to the release from our hopes and fears, release from our perspectives, release from our technologies, release from our reactivity. And these, the sankharas, the very programs and thought functions and the emotions that we seem to find we're battling against, can become in a way our most relentless teachers. Saying, so, you know, I'm not going to go away until you meet me and stop identifying with me, until you really meet me. I'm not going to leave you, let you go. <laughs> You keep putting your thing on top of me and trying to shove me out of the way. I'm not going to go. I'm going to come back in another form, more embittered, more <laughs> entrenched. <laughs> you know, you see, until you meet me, honestly, I'm not going to let you go. But if you do, you know, then you, then I'll let you go. So, this is um, so. <clears throat> our practice goes on, and uh, I wish everyone good heart and to re- maintain faith with yourself through this process. Mm-hmm.